Anyone in this room, young or old, male or female, could literally do what I do. You could. And I'm just, just sure enough of myself that I don't mind telling you that. So here's how it goes down for most Sunday mornings. Sometimes it flows like milk and honey. I will say, hey, God, like, where are we? Like, God, where are we as a culture? Where is Hope City? Where are we? God, what is it you want to share for our people today? Sometimes, guys, I'm telling you, like six, eight, 10, 12 messages will fly out like nobody's business. And I'll just get on my whiteboard in my office and I'll just write in little headlines and notes and, and it just flows. Other times, it's like this week on Monday. I say, hey, God, it's Monday. Sunday's coming. Our people are hungry. We're in a place. We're going through a season. Where are we? And he said, Scott, I need you to share that there are some people in this very service. I shared this exact same message in the first service. There are some people that are going to be in this place right here today. And you have literally given up. You have thrown in the towel. Not maybe outwardly yet. Now, looking at you, sizing you up, everything on the outward appearance looks phenomenal. You look just like everybody else. But God said mentally, in their minds, they have quit. They have given up. They have thrown in the towel. Mentally, there are some people in this very room and you have said, I am done. And so he told me to tell you today the story of Mark 5. Many of you, if you've been in church, Sunday school, you've heard this story many, many times. So I want to read to you starting in Mark, 4, Mark 5 and we're going to get the, hit the ground running. Again, this today, this talk is entitled, You, You Are in Your Right Mind. Here we go, Mark 5, verse 1. It says, then they went across the lake to the region of the Gerizines. That's how I say it in Wahlberg. That's how they taught me to say it in middle school and in high school. I don't remember what they said in college, but in middle school, they told me Gerizines. All right. I know there's many scholars in this room and it makes me really nervous when there's really smart people in the room and I know who you are. <laughs> They're like wearing me out. That's not how you say it. Well, I got the microphone. So anyway, Gerizines, that's how they said it in Denton. That's how we're going to say it here in Wahlberg. See, I've totally lost y'all's... Verse two, let's get spiritual. Verse two, ready? When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. I I don't know how you read scripture. I'd love to know. Maybe we could hang out and we could talk about how you read scripture. When I read scripture, I'm very visual. So I start to color this stuff in. And I want you to understand, because I'm going to lay the groundwork for the context, the region and the culture here in just a second. That's why I said it's going to sound like Pastor Brent's preaching and not me. But I'm going to let you know that you need to pay attention to things like that, that this man had chains on his feet and it was made out of what material? Iron. And he was able to break them. No one could keep this man bound. It says that verse five, night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. 
Now, there's going to be a map that's going to appear on the screen. And this is actually a very real place. In February of 2018, Pastor Brent is leading another group of people from here or wherever to this very region. What I'm going to be talking to you is a place in this day and age that was called the Decapolis. That simply means 10 cities. And this place that's a very real place that we've actually had the privilege to walk in the land is basically at the very northern part of the Dead Sea all the way up. And there's one city that is way above the Sea of Galilee, but most of them, the nine are in this region. And on the map, it says the Decapolis, okay? It's a very real place, but I need you to understand this place is in Israel, There's a man by the name of Alexander the Great. You've heard of him probably in history class. He actually conquered this land and he set out to put widespread infamous, sometimes I just struggle with my words and they come out. You can laugh at me and I don't care because I'm okay. He wanted to emphasize this way of lifestyle. Like the Hellenism is basically, if you don't have to study Hellenism to understand what I'm getting ready to say, Hellenism is actually humanism at its finest. And what is that? There was a very high emphasis. Got it. You didn't think I was going to get that word, did you? Thank you. Sometimes you just have to help me out. All right. There was a heavy emphasis on the human body, the human mind, what appearance how everyone looked, how everyone thought. And so these Romans, Alexander the Great, and he gave all these officials these cities and he said, I want you to go infiltrate the Jewish lifestyle and I want Hellenism, the humanism, to be dominating. And so every person in this region, there was a high emphasis on the way they looked. It says here in studying that there were Olympic type games in this area. And some of the games were people actually competed nude because it was more about showing off their body than actually someone winning the race. And so if you were a demon-possessed man who was causing havoc in your city, putting a damper on this culture, what would you do with him? You would be just like them probably and you would want to banish him to the furthest part of the city, the least populated place, the darkest of places where no one would see him, where no one would hear him crying out because he definitely was a mark against your society. He definitely did not fit in. And if he was around he was probably going to bring everyone else around down to. So that's the context of what was going on in this region when Mark tells this story. Jesus gets off the boat, walks onto the land, and he sees this demon-possessed man. Now, with that in context, I want to read you that ver- those verses again. Here we go. I'm in Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Then Jesus went across the lake to the region of the Gerizines where Jesus, when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him anymore. See, they had tried. 
No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. They tried everything. For he had often been chained hand and foot. Did you hear that? They had been trying this for a long time. Often he was chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough. Do you get that? There were some very strong men in this region. They prided themselves on being the strongest, not only physically, but emotionally. Their value of study was through the roof and no one was smart enough or strong enough to do anything with this man. And then in verse five, it says night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. For time's sake this morning, I know this is for some not the first time you've heard this story. If I could just sort of just glance through like verses six through around verse like 14, the story goes something like this. And many of you could tell it just as well or if not better. But Jesus encounters this demon possessed man. And right away, the demon whose name is Legion, look at it, it says it in the scripture. His name is Legion, and he says, because we are many. Man, full of many demons. The demons cry out to Jesus because they recognize Jesus. And they say, Jesus, please have pity, take mercy on us. Do not basically harm us. The demon even said to Jesus, hey, there are some pigs over there. This is a whole study in itself. There are some pigs over there. Why don't you cast us into those pigs and just let us run wild in those pigs? And that's exactly what Jesus did. He cast the demons out of this man into the pigs. The pigs run down a hill, basically off a cliff, into some water, and they drown. That's a whole different part of this story than we're going this morning. So Jesus frees this man possibly for the first time in his life. And we're going to pick up right here, verse 15. It says this, let's go to 14. Those pigs, man, they made a big deal about those pigs. Verse 14, those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. Let me stop right there. You got to understand there may have been probably a crowd of people about maybe this section right here. Just this section, a crowd of people. This is not a large vicinity. There were not large numbers of people that walked around on a given day. There would definitely not be a large number of people. You got to get this. Standing around the graves, the hills where this demon-possessed man was. There may have been a team of people, maybe just half the size of this section right here, that were tending to the pigs. And so that small group of people who saw what happened went into the towns went into the neighboring cities and they started to tell people what had happened. And this is big. 
You would think that they would have gone and said, you are not going to believe what happened to our demon-possessed man. I'm going to give him his name, Bobby. You know Bobby? You're not going to believe it, but he's free. It's a miracle. You know Jesus, because we've heard of Jesus for a while now. It's been about two years that he's been doing his thing. You know Jesus. You've got to come see what he did. But that's not what happened. I'm going to skip down to verse 17 just to show you what happened. It says, then the people began to plead with Jesus, please leave our region. That doesn't make sense, does it? So let me stop there. I'm going to do just, you got to pay attention. There's going to be a little phrase on the screen. I'm going to walk you through this. We're going to be a place where people like this man, demon possessed, call home. We just are. I think a lot of times in society, we do just like the people of the Decapolis. We're trying to promote ourselves, And we've got, even in the church, we've got a lifestyle. And we're not there yet. But you can look around and you can sort of see the lifestyle just by looking around. And it's not a bad thing. Listen, this place has to be a place where people don't look like us are also welcome and actually taking steps to freedom. I said, we're not there yet, but that's okay. Here's what I know. And again, this is my opinion. What you're going to see on the screen is my opinion. I even had to have some of my English friends edit it out because when I said it, it didn't even make sense. But they helped edit it into where it makes sense. And I'm going to try to walk you through what God has shared with me. Go ahead and pop that paragraph up on the screen. I'm just going to read it from there. The ones whose way of life, and when I say way of life in this context, think of these people right here who had banished this demon-possessed man to the faraway places because he was affecting their way of life. He was affecting their image. He was affecting commerce into their city. That's the place. I'm not going to buy milk or goats there because they have the demon-possessed man. There's no way I'm going to that region. And so when your way of life is being affected And I'm not talking about in a spiritual way. I'm talking about your mindset, the way you think things should go, the way you think things should look. When your way of life, and I'm not saying yours, should say people. In this context with the scripture, these people, their lifestyle was being affected. Jesus comes on the scene, miracle, man set free, right? But instead of going to say, look at what Jesus did, look at what happens. The ones whose way of life is being affected by the presence and power of God, because that's all that was. Those who are being affected by the presence and power of God will oftentimes gather a crowd to try to rise up against God. Here in this story, they went to gather people to rise up against Jesus. And what does this look like in 2017? 
It looks like sometimes I have my way, I have my desire, I have my goal, and I am going to achieve it no matter what. In this context, it was the Jewish way of life versus the Roman way of life. And when Jesus got in the way, the people said, let's go gather people, let's cause a ruckus, and let's get Jesus out of here. Is that, are we there? But here's the other part of that, and this is what I want to achieve. See, there's a part that says, but those whose eternity, this demon-possessed man, it wasn't his lifestyle that was under attack. His eternity was given to him. But those whose eternity is being altered will always cling to the person responsible for the eternal change. Try this, just go back and look at some scripture and God made it easy for us in Luke. You can just go to the book of Luke, go there real quick. We're not gonna highlight this. It's not gonna be on the, on the screen, but in Luke chapter five, I wanna read you this. Look at this, Luke chapter five, just proving what God has given me here. When Simon Peter saw this in Luke 5, he says he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. I don't have time to tell you the context of that story. You can go read it, but I will tell you this nugget. It's Peter's eternity was changed on that very day. And because he recognized the change, he fell at the feet of the person responsible for the eternal change. Take a look next one, real quick. Luke chapter, um, Luke, Luke chapter seven. Again, I'm not making this stuff up. Luke chapter seven, there's this, there's this prostitute, they say. It's way down in Luke chapter seven, around verse 36. This will be some good stuff for you to read this week. It says a sinful woman, they've given her the name sinful woman, but I think most people would agree that she was probably a prostitute. It says that she was actually anointing the feet of Jesus. And it says that she was right there at the feet of the one who had changed her eternity. And there's one more just to show you in this one. It's Luke chapter 10. And this is one that we've heard. I I talked about this one not too long ago. There's a lady by the name of Mary. She had a sister by the name of Martha. And it says that Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Here's the thing. In your life, if we adopt this culture where we're going to have some who don't look like us and they don't sound like us, if we have hurting people, I already told you that there are some people in this very room whose minds you've given up, you've thrown in the towel. You know what we're here to do? Here's what I'm here to do. And if you want to go with us, then that's great. But here we are. We are supposed to take the hand of those who have thrown in the towel and say, no, pick up. Come on. We've got to go. I heard Chris Valentin say just this week, he said, if where you are is not good, then God's not done. Let me say that again. If where you are is not good, then God's not done because my father, who I'm friends with, he is good. And even though I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, even in that, God is still saying, come on, you're not there yet. Let me show you. Come on, you've got to get back up. You've got to get out of bed today. You've got to come with me because I see the end and the end is good because that's all I am. 
Okay? So here's what we're going to do. Even in these times where this is the norm, crazy, we're going to have to cling to the feet of the one who is changing people's eternity. And guess what? Things are going to look a little different. Things may even get a little crazy. Can I just go ahead and tell you, if you're going to come for any length of time in this place, especially on Wednesday night at 6 p.m. starting September 6th, there's going to be some people praying. There's going to be people laying out. There's going to be people running around. There's going to be people doing things that are not the norm to the Christian culture that we live in. There will be people prophesying in this place. There will be people praying in the spirit. Some people call it tongues. There are going to be people over here with anointing oil. This section right here, because we've mapped it out already, right over here is going to be for healing of all kinds of healing. It's just going to look a little different. And if we are having our ways affected, because this is the way it's always been done, and this is the law, and this is the ritual, and this is the routine that I'm used to, if there is a surefire way to know that you are operating in the Spirit, and I just described it to you, you're either going to fall at the feet of the one who is changing your eternity, or you're going to run and gather a crowd and say, look at what these people are doing. Let me show you the distraction. These guys had nothing The people who ran to gather a distraction had nothing. It says here, just look scripture, Mark 5, verse 15, highlight pinnacle of this story. When they came to Jesus, the people, the crowd, when they came to Jesus, I'm back in Mark 5, when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed And in his right mind, they were afraid. The presence and power of God to those who don't want it will always be afraid of it. And I'm not saying it as it's something foreign of him. They will be afraid of him. If I don't understand the presence and power of God, but I know I need him to move in my life, I am not going to be afraid. I am going to be hungry. These people, because their way of life was getting ready to be altered, were afraid. Verse 15, again, it says that this man, they found him sitting there dressed and in his right mind. Now, again, this is the way you got to... Any one of you can do what I have done. In studying, I, I, I have a mind that questions a lot of things. Like, where in the world did this man who was naked, where did he get a set of clothes? Have you ever thought that? If you haven't thought that, that's okay. I'm going to throw it out there and let you think on that today. I'm like, Amazon Prime drone delivery? Walmart? I mean, seriously, where in the world? I've always had that question. And then I find that if you go look in Scripture, you go back a story to where Jesus calms the storm, you know, the one that he's in the boat and he's asleep. How dare you be asleep, Jesus? 
Again, just look at the 38th verse in Mark chapter 4. It says, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. Some scholars, not me, say, because I asked the question, well, where in the world did his clothes come from? That the cushion was basically a bag that Jesus had a change of clothes. And get this. So Jesus literally clothed this free man. Jesus gave this man his clothing. See, that's huge. Because some of you, yeah, you know all the right things to say. You've been and done, check the box. You've given, you've what? But we're going to walk out into the society that we live in tomorrow and we're going to shrink back. We're going to shrink back. We're going to hide and we're going to hope nobody prods and nobody looks too close. Hope nobody asks any questions. I hope nobody even notices me. And the enemy of our world loves the fact that you live your life that way. Now, can I just tell you, we're all this demon-possessed man. We've all been set free from something. Many of us are walking through our life free. You're free. But you choose to bind yourself because there is just lacking of confidence in what Jesus Christ has clothed you in. Again, I love this story, and so I could talk about it forever, but I'm going to wrap it up with this. Go down 15. Let me just read you that again. We're going to sort of land the plane and get real personal here. And it's okay. We can be personal in this place. We can admit some things. We can open ourselves up and be transparent because some of us in this place today are going to leave forever changed. This demon-possessed man was forever changed. And if it happened there because of the presence and power of God, Jesus, it can happen in this place this morning. This wasn't just some passionate talk that I wanted to give to you for 45 minutes. No, I want your life to be changed forever. Look at this, verse 15 again. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and I love this, and told about the pigs as well. I read that, I'm like, who gives a flipping rip about these pigs? Look at what Jesus did And the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. I'm not going to say, Jesus, leave just because I don't understand the way you're moving today. Holy Spirit, don't leave just because I get a little scared. Just because someone falls out, I'm not going to get scared. Even if I don't understand how God is working, I'm not going to ask, Holy Spirit, leave this church and this community. No, I'm going to say, Holy Spirit, please come. Please come. I need wisdom. I need knowledge because I don't know how you're working right now and I need you to let me know. You know what that does? It just opens myself up and he just starts to speak to me as his friend. He says, hey, Scott, And I start to get encouraged. And if I'm going to be honest with you guys, if you'll be honest with me, one of the places that I struggle is that I am a very 
confident person. I am. You can't go through what I've gone through over the last couple of years, just the last couple of years, not my life. You can't go through what I've gone through and not know that God has my back. So even though armies and enemies come against me, you can't touch me. And so one of my struggles is that I am confident and the enemy wants to say, hey, Scott, you're being too confident. You're arrogant. Because the enemy is trying to slow me down from what God has shown me and set me free from. And listen, if God has done it in my life, I'm from Wahlberg. I graduated from Ledford. I am just an ordinary person like you. And if he's done it in me, he's going to do it in you. He's going to do it in every single one of you. Listen, you and me, we get to do this thing together and literally change our community. Anything less and I am not satisfied. I don't care if it takes 50 more years. I think I've got 92 in me. That's right, 92. I've got it in me. And what he's done and shown me, you can't take away. Paul said this, to live as Christ and to die as gain, even if you take my life, even if you take my title, even if you take my possessions, because of what I've seen God do, I am experiencing freedom that I want this whole community to experience. And it's right there for your taking. Real quick, real quick. I love this story. Jesus got back in the boat. Look at verse 18. The man who had been demon possessed begged to go with him. Jesus, please let me go with you. I'm the same way. I would be just like him. I'd be like, Jesus, wherever you're going next, I'm going too. And please, if you've never been to Israel, over the next couple of years, we're going to keep taking some trips back because it changes the way you see scripture. Jesus was getting into a boat into the Sea of Galilee. And I'll tell you, the Sea of Galilee is not that big. It's not much bigger than like a Lake Norman. It's actually so beautiful. You can stand on one side and see to the other. It's almost shaped like an egg. You can go to the northern end and almost see to the southern end. And that was the water that Jesus was getting ready to get back into his boat. And the demon-possessed man who had been possessed jumped in and said, Jesus, please let me go with you. And Jesus said, no. See, some of us would think that would be such, why is such, Jesus must have been in a bad mood. He gave him his last pair of clothing. That's why, right? No, there was a purpose behind this man being set free. He says he begged Jesus to go with him and Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Look at verse 20. So the man went away and he began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Mark chapter 7, verse 37, 31, it just says this. Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. 
There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on the man. Just one scripture that tells of what this demon-possessed man did after Jesus set him free. Today, the Lord said there are some people who have mentally thrown in the towel and you're done. You name it with whatever, you're done. You're throwing in the towel. And even though it doesn't look like it on the outside, read the scripture. It says there many times that Jesus knew what they were thinking. He knows what you are thinking. I don't want anyone to stand. I don't want any acknowledgement of what I'm getting ready to say next. But there are some people who think that they are broken in this room and they're unusable. Some of us in this room even think that we are a blemish to the groups of people that we associate with. And this is probably the one that just makes me angry because that's my emotion. Is some of you feel like you're forgotten and we have even been responsible for making you feel that way. So those who are broken because of some exterior thing, I just need to let you know The Lord says, no, you're not broken. You're not broken. But you have a boldness in you that is getting ready to be drawn out. And for those who feel like you're a blemish to this community, a blemish to this church, God forbid, a blemish to your family, I need to know, I need to let you know that there's no way that you're a blemish if you're a child of God. And today, someday, some point in this day, you're going to walk past a mirror. It may be when you go to a restroom before you leave this place, but you need to look in that mirror for the first time without shame. And I need you to look in that mirror and I need you just to say it out loud. I don't care what anybody else thinks, remember? I need you to say out loud, I am beautiful. I'm beautiful. And then for those who you feel like you're just forgotten, you've been swept away, and you just feel like you're just existing until you take your last breath, I just need to let you know that Jesus has never forgotten about you. The Father, God, has never forgotten about you. You're perfect. And you are positioned to be used in unbelievable ways.